Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, July 3rd. I want to draw your attention to a page on the Daily Audio Torah website. Click on the Connect Pick on the navigation menu and connect with us through our newsletter, Israel on Target and War Room Report. What do we cover? With Israel on Target, we give you the top news stories coming from Israel each week with scriptures to pray over Israel. With the War Room Report, wake up, the world is at war. It is an unconventional war. It is a cultural war. It is a communications and media war. It is a political war. It is an economic war. It is an ideological war. It is a war for your mind and thoughts. And at the deepest level, it is a spiritual war between light and darkness, between good and evil, between Yahovah and Satan. We need intel to pray strategically. That is the purpose of the War Room Report to give you the intel you need so you can successfully fight the spiritual war with power and precision. We share practical knowledge, truth, and facts you won't find in the mainstream media. What we cover in the War Room Report. All things COVID, resources and remedies, big tech censorship, Israel and the Middle East, where the hot war will most likely start. Deep State, Globalist Agenda, the folks in the shadows pulling the strings, election fraud and ongoing forensic audits, CCP infiltration into America. Go to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Connect pick in the navigation menu. Then subscribe to our newsletter. It goes out two to three times a month. Are you being blessed by this ministry? please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Hukat, and it means ordinance. Numbers 19, 1-14 The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Here is another legal requirement commanded by the Lord. Tell the people of Israel to bring you a red heifer, a perfect animal that has no defects and has never been yoked to a plow. Give it to Eleazar the priest, and it will be taken outside the camp and slaughtered in his presence. Eleazar will take some of its blood on his finger and sprinkle it seven times toward the front of the tabernacle. As Eleazar watches, the heifer must be burned, its hide, meat, blood, and dung. Eleazar the priest must then take a stick of cedar, a hyssop branch, and some scarlet yarn and throw them into the fire where the heifer is burning. 
Then the priest must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water. Afterward he may return to the camp, though he will remain ceremonially unclean until evening. The man who burns the animal must also wash his clothes and bathe himself in water, and he too will remain unclean until evening. Then someone who is ceremonially clean will gather up the ashes of the heifer and deposit them in a purified place outside the camp. They will be kept there for the community of Israel to use in the water for the purification ceremony. This ceremony is performed for the removal of sin. The man who gathers up the ashes of the heifer must also wash his clothes, and he will remain ceremonially unclean until evening. This is a permanent law for the people of Israel and any foreigners who live among them. All those who touch a dead body will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. They must purify themselves on the third and seventh days with water of purification. Then they will be purified. But if they do not do this on the third and seventh days, they will continue to be unclean even after the seventh day. All those who touch a dead body and do not purify themselves in the proper way defile the Lord's tabernacle, and they will be cut off from the community of Israel. Since the water of purification was not sprinkled on them, their defilement continues. This is the ritual law that applies when someone dies inside a tent. All those who enter that tent and those who were inside when the death occurred will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. Second Kings 22, 3-23.30 In the eighteenth year of his reign, King Josiah sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, and grandson of Meshulam, the court secretary, to the temple of the Lord. He told him, Go to Hilkiah the high priest and have him count the money the gatekeepers have collected from the people at the Lord's temple, and trust this money to the men assigned to supervise the restoration of the Lord's temple. Then they can use it to pay workers to repair the temple. They will need to hire carpenters, builders, and masons. Also, have them buy the timber and the finished stone needed to repair the temple. But don't require the construction supervisors to keep account of the money they receive, for they are honest and trustworthy men. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan, and he read it. Shaphan went to the king and reported, Your officials have turned over the money collected at the temple of the Lord to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Shaphan also told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read it to the king. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. And then he gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the court secretary, and Asiah, the king's personal advisor, go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah. Inquire about the words written in this scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in this scroll. We have not been doing everything it says we must do. So Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, 
Akbor, Shaphan, and Asiah went to the new quarter of Jerusalem to consult with the prophet Huldah. She was the wife of Shalem, son of Tikvah, son of Harhas, the keeper of the temple wardrobe. She said to them, The Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you, This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this city and its people. All the words written in the scroll that the king of Judah has read will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods, and I am very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will burn against this place, and it will not be quenched. But go to the king of Judah, who sent you to seek the Lord, and tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the message you have just heard. You were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against this city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. You will not see the disaster I am going to bring on this city. So they took her message back to the king. And then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Then the king instructed Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second rank and the temple gatekeepers to remove from the Lord's temple all the articles that were used to worship Baal, Asherah, and all the powers of the heavens. The king had all these things burned outside Jerusalem, on the terraces of the Kidron Valley, and he carried the ashes away to Bethel. He did away with the idolatrous priests who had been appointed by the previous kings of Judah, for they had offered sacrifices at the pagan shrines throughout Judah, and even in the vicinity of Jerusalem. They had also offered sacrifices to Baal and to the sun, the moon, the constellations, and to all the powers of heaven. The king removed the Asherah pole from the Lord's temple and took it outside Jerusalem to the Kidron Valley where he burned it. Then he ground the ashes of the pole to dust and threw the dust over the graves of the people. He also tore down the living quarters of the male and female shrine prostitutes that were inside the temple of the Lord, where the women wove coverings for the Asherah pole. Josiah brought to Jerusalem all the priests who were living in other towns of Judah. He also defiled the pagan shrines where they had offered sacrifices, all the way from Geba to Beersheba. He destroyed the shrines at the entrance to the gate of Joshua, the governor of Jerusalem. This gate was located to the left of the city gate as one enters the city. The priests who had served at the pagan shrines were not allowed to serve at the Lord's altar in Jerusalem, but they were allowed to eat unleavened bread with the other priests. 
Then the king defiled the altar of Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, so no one could ever again use it to sacrifice a son or daughter in the fire as an offering to Molech. He removed from the entrance of the Lord's temple the horse statues that the former kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. They were near the quarters of Nathan-Melech, the eunuch, an officer of the court. The king also burned the chariots dedicated to the sun. Josiah tore down the altars that the kings of Judah had built on the palace roof above the upper room of Ahaz. The king destroyed the altars that Manasseh had built in the two courtyards of the Lord's temple. He smashed them to bits and scattered the pieces in the Kidron Valley. The king also desecrated the pagan shrines east of Jerusalem to the south of the Mount of Corruption, where King Solomon of Israel had built shrines for Ashtoreth, the detestable goddess of the Sidonians, and for Chemosh, the detestable god of the Moabites, and for Molech, the vile god of the Ammonites. He smashed the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah poles. Then he desecrated these places by scattering human bones over them. The king also tore down the altar at Bethel, the pagan shrine that Jeroboam son of Nebat had made when he caused Israel to sin. He burned down the shrine and ground it to dust, and he burned the Asherah pole. Then Josiah turned around and noticed several tombs in the side of the hill. He ordered that the bones be brought out, and he burned them on the altar at Bethel to desecrate it. This happened just as the Lord had promised through the men of God when Jeroboam stood beside the altar at the festival. Then Josiah turned and looked up at the tomb of the man of God who had predicted these things. What is that monument over there? Josiah asked. And the people of the town told him, It is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and predicted the very thing that you have just done to the altar at Bethel. Josiah replied, Leave it alone. Don't disturb his bones. So they did not burn his bones or those of the old prophet from Samaria. Then Josiah demolished all the buildings at the pagan shrines in the towns of Samaria, just as he had done at Bethel. They had been built by the various kings of Israel and had made the Lord very angry. He executed the priests of the pagan shrines on their own altars, and he burned human bones on the altars to desecrate them. Finally, he returned to Jerusalem. King Josiah then issued this order to all the people. You must celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as required in this book of the covenant. There had not been a Passover celebration like that since that time when the judges ruled in Israel, nor throughout all the years of the kings of Israel and Judah. But in the eighteenth year of King Josiah's reign, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Josiah also got rid of the mediums and psychics, the household gods, the idols, and every other kind of detestable practice, both in Jerusalem and throughout the land of Judah. He did this in obedience to the laws written in the scroll that Hilkiah the priest had found in the Lord's temple. Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses. And there has never been a king like him since. Even so, the Lord was very angry with Judah because of all the wicked things Manasseh had done to provoke him. 
For the Lord said, I will also banish Judah from my presence, just as I have banished Israel, and I will reject my chosen city of Jerusalem and the temple where my name was to be honored. The rest of the events in Josiah's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. While Josiah was king, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went to the Euphrates River to help the king of Assyria. King Josiah and his army marched out to fight him, but King Necho killed him when they met at Megiddo. Josiah's officers took his body back in a chariot from Megiddo to Jerusalem and buried him in his own tomb. Then the people of the land anointed Josiah's son Jehoahaz and made him the next king. Acts 21, 37-22-16 As Paul was about to be taken inside, he said to the commander, May I have a word with you? Do you know Greek? The commander asked, surprised. Aren't you the Egyptian who led a rebellion some time ago and took 4,000 members of the assassins out into the desert? No, Paul replied, I am a Jew and a citizen of Tarsus in Cilicia, which is an important city. Please, let me talk to these people. The commander agreed, so Paul stood on the stairs and motioned to the people to be quiet. Soon a deep silence enveloped the crowd, and he addressed them in their own language, Aramaic. Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Yeshua the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light, but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, What should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law, and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And that very moment I could see him. Then he told me, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak, for you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Psalm 1, 1 1-6
Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the Torah of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like the worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Proverbs 18, 11, and 12 The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. I want to speak to you today from 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23. And these two chapters absolutely fascinate me because we see a radical move of God happening in these two chapters. When King Josiah becomes the king, he instructs uh, some workers to go in and to clean up the rubble of the temple that, that has fallen into disrepair. And in the process of cleaning up all of this rubble, Hilkiah, the high priest, said to the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. And then he gave the scroll to Shaphan and he read it. So basically, the Torah, the word of God, has been buried under the rubble. And they didn't even know that it was there. So then Shaphan takes this scroll, and he went to the king, and he said, Your officials have turned over the money collected at the temple, but Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. And so Shaphan read it to the king. And when the king heard what was in the book of the law, the Torah, he tore his clothes in despair. A huge insight and aha hits him, and he repents. And the prophet even says to him, You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. So it was a massive, radical level of repentance. And this repentance led to some huge actions that he took. So Josiah proceeds to go throughout the temple and throughout the city and throughout the land, and he begins to pull down the Asherah poles and the altars that are set up to Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. He removed from the entrance of the Lord's temple the horse statues, and he tore down the altars that the kings of Judah had built on the palace roof above the room of Ahaz. He destroyed the altars that Manasseh had built. He destroyed all these Asherah poles, and he burned them and ground them to dust, and he burned the Asherah poles. And he turned, he he did this cleansing of getting rid of the idols that were in the temple and throughout the city. And it was just massive. And so as I was reading that, what came to my mind was Josiah is a shadow picture of Yeshua. And what came to my mind was the scene when Yeshua comes into the temple and he overturns the tables of the money changers and he pulls out a whip and begins to just, you know, turn things upside down. And he has a zealousness for the temple 
And he said, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And so Yeshua cleanses the temple. And so it's that same zeal and passion that Josiah had in cleansing the temple and the land of all of these terrible idols. And so that's one of the first acts that after a person repents deeply is that you get rid of the idols in your life. What are some of the idols that we have today? Well, they're not necessarily physical statues, but they're more idols of the heart. And the idols of the heart can be anything that we love, give attention to, um, or put money, resource, and time into that is equal to or above Yahweh. So an idol of the heart can be a spouse, a child, a career, a job, a house, a 401k account, anything that we give a screen, screens. Oh my goodness. We spend so much time in front of screens, phone screens, computer screens, television screens, all this time and attention in front of a screen instead of spending face-to-face time in prayer with our Lord. And so Josiah cleanses the land and a major outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens. The people follow this righteous king and God moves. And what's one of the first actions that he leads them into? He leads them to keep the Passover because that is part of the covenant Remember, it's a wedding covenant. It's a marriage covenant. And coming to the table at Passover begins that journey of the stepping into this covenant. So he leads the people. It says in uh, verse 21, Josiah then issued this order to all the people. You must celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as required in this book of the covenant. There had not been a Passover celebration like that since the time when the judges ruled in Israel, nor throughout all the years of the kings of Israel and Judah. And so Passover begins our journey of leaving Egypt, leaving the false idols, leaving the paganism, leaving the world behind us. And we cross over the Red Sea, which is a form of a mikvah or a baptism, and we come into covenant with our king, Yeshua, and we eat at his table where he shed his blood for us and his body was broken for us on our behalf. The last thing I want to touch on today is from Psalm 1. And in verse 3, he's talking about the righteous. And well, I'll start with verse 2. The righteous, they delight in the Torah of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Verse 3, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Now, here's how I want to expand on that and kind of go into a deep-sewed level with this. The Torah is compared to a tree in Proverbs, that the Torah, she is like a tree. And the pages, or the scroll of the Torah, are the leaves of the tree. Then we go back to the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, we had two trees there. 
There was the tree of life, and there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said to Adam and Eve, Of the tree of life you may eat, and all the other trees, the fruit you can have, but of this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not do not eat that. So the tree of life there in that garden, it is the Torah. The Torah is a tree of life. We see a same that same tree of life uh, described for us in Revelation. That the tree of life in Revelation has 12 different fruits. One fruit for each year, month. And that the leaves of this tree brings healing to the nations. And so coming back to Psalm 1, a righteous person is compared to being like a tree planted along the riverbank. That when we take in the Torah into our heart and into our spirit, we become like the Torah. We become like Yeshua, who is the Torah made flesh. So we are a tree. We become like a tree planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit, and our leaves never wither. We become like the Torah, which is a tree of life. And then I'm thinking, too, of the scene in the New Testament where there's a blind man and Yeshua heals him. And um, the healing wasn't complete. Suddenly, the man said, I can see now, but men look like trees. They look like trees. And then Yeshua ministered to him some more. And then his sight was fully restored. So also when we are planted in the land, when we return to the land, whether we be Jewish or non-Jewish, the people who return to the land are like trees of righteousness, and they sink their roots deeply into the soil, which is the love of God, the love of Yeshua. We sink our roots into the soil of Yeshua, and we become a tree of righteousness. So we thank you, Father, for your word today. We thank you for the amazing move of God that happened in the time of Josiah and that he is a shadow picture of Yeshua, our Messiah. And we pray, Father, that that move of God will happen once again, that you will cleanse the nations. You'll cleanse the land of all these idols. Um, And we thank you that one huge idol has been recently toppled and overturned and pulled down. And that is um, the Roe versus Wade, that the uh, blood sacrifice of innocent babes in the womb will no longer happen on a national level. Now it's been kicked back to the states. But we thank you that that horrible idol and Baal and Molech behind it, blood sacrifice, that that idol has been overturned. And Father, Would you somehow use that incident, that event, to spark a great outpouring of your Holy Spirit, a national reformation, as in the days of Josiah, that we would see other idols be toppled, that our land would be cleansed, that our land would be koshered. We thank you, Father. We love you. We bless you. And we praise you. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Yevrekka Adonai Vish 
Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>